Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is November 22nd, 2019, and it's Friday, and our president uh, called into Fox and took over their whole hour. He wouldn't let them break. He wouldn't let them pretty much say anything, and I loved it. Uh, we're going to be playing his whole interview, obviously, with commentary for the, those of you that missed it. Um, and I'd like to say thanks to Scott Adams. He, he knew that yesterday um, I actually was very sick um, in respects to fever. So obviously you can't think, you can't do anything. And it was just me from, you know, yesterday afternoon up until late this morning that I was kind of going in and out of sleep, trying to get this fever to like stop where it, I, I feel like it's done that now. So it ran its cycle. I'm all about just sweat it out, take your showers and get in some you know, vitamin C and some really good food, like beef stroganoff. Um, and it kind of worked. And binge watching Chinese telenovelas, of course. Um, so it's Friday. Uh, it's almost Thanksgiving. We have uh, things uh, coming up. And, you know, it seemed like this whole week the mainstream media was really slow on what they had to say. Slow in respects to uh, commentary. It, it um, was onerous. It was, uh, you know, convoluted and it was all going back to the same source, which is, ooh, President Trump is such a bad man. He's like recruiting other countries to, you know, push and investigate. Look, he did it in Russia. Now he's doing it in the Ukraine rather than say, whoa, the Ukraine is like, like I said, the Democrats party, Hiroshima, like I said, it all started with the Clinton Foundation. We're talking back in the days, okay? We're not talking right now. We're talking back in the days. And the the key players in this are all going to be going down. Now, um, I saw a lot of commentary saying, oh, you know, Mitt Romney and this and that. Mitt Romney, whatever he did in the Ukraine, is nothing compared to what he's doing with election meddling here. His major investments, his capital, and like his invent, uh, what would you call it? Financial investment boutiques are all, you know, investing in e-voting. And he's not putting himself up front. It's his son that's the front. I mean, what kind of parent would put their kid up to take the punches? That's disgusting. I'm sorry. That, that's disgusting. It's like me wanting to do something nefarious and putting my, oh my gosh, like who would do that? That is horrific just to think about it. So I wanted to go through that. I wanted to talk about Iran for a second, uh, which is really important because, you know, the whole world is freaking out. They shut down the whole internet. Now, they've done this before. Turkey's done this before. China's done this before. But for some reason, right, for some reason, this is bothering them. This, the fact that the mainstream media has been talking about this for more than a 24 news hour cycle around the world tells you everything you need to know, which means they don't know what's going on. They're in a blind spot. I want you to take a listen to Euronews putting out this information. Protests did kick off on Friday. The situation that has been ongoing in Iran is blurry, and that's because of an internet outage that has occurred. 
Now, we in the Cube, we often connect with people who are on the ground in certain countries to understand an, an ongoing situation, but we can't do that in Iran. So we've been using uh, tools that are readily available on the Internet to understand the connectivity. One of those is run by Oracle, and it's called the Internet Intel Map, and it can tell you the connectivity in a certain country, this coming from Iran. And they noted that on, that, that, uh, on November 16th at about 7 p.m. there was a drop in connectivity and that has continued on and is still ongoing, that drop in connection. Now, Doug Madry of uh, the Internet Intel Group of Oracle, he commented, he said that this was something that he hadn't seen before, saying that this was arguably the largest ever event for Iran when it comes to Internet dropping. But also NetBlock, they monitor connectivity. They also commented, saying uh, that the national connectivity remains at just 5% of normal levels. But also our, uh, Cloudflare, they noted their own data and they said that it shut down progressively by service providers on November 16th. But there have been people commenting in the UN, the likes of David Kane, he said that this was impeding on people's human rights, rights to connection, but also information. And we've been speaking to Iranian Americans, including uh, Sina Tusi, and he said Iranians can't get in touch with people at home. Let's just take a listen. You know, it's been immensely difficult to contact our loved ones back home right now. And Usually, like, you know, me personally, I use WhatsApp or, you know, even Skype or some of these other apps like Viber. But all of these apps are not, you know, people can't access them right now. So it's very disconcerting. We've basically most people have lost communication with their loved ones for the past several days. But one of the key questions is how such a mass internet outage could even occur. And people like Amir Rashidi, he's a researcher in this area, he points to two reasons. One of which is a reliance on national, uh, national infrastructure rather than private companies, but also U.S. sanctions. This is what he told us. Imagine if the U.S. policy continue for the next ten, t three years and Iran finish this development and they, they, then in the next three years, they don't even need that 7% of internet connectivity. They can shut it down completely, and we have absolutely zero access. Uh, we would have absolutely zero access to inside the country. As for what has occurred over the last couple of days in Iran, that will be clearer when the internet comes back. Now, let me tell you what's really going on, okay? So now we heard what they had to say. Now we need to remember what they said. Okay, so they talked about the Internet going down. And if you watch any of the videos, they'll show you that it went staggering, just a dive of the accessibility of Internet that people had, of what was going on, who, what, when, where. I got a lot of DMs from people, uh, you know, uh, telling me, get this out, you know, we don't have internet, which seemed really orchestrated because these were all new accounts. And you could say, well, maybe these are, in, you know, um, citizen investigative journalists in Iran uh, getting with you, uh, you know, to put out the news just like they did to a bunch of other people. And that's that's what's incredible. OK, that's what's incredible, that what people are not paying attention to is why would Iran? Um, why is this important? OK, so first of all. Iran has taken down all networks. That means, okay, look how scary it is because none of you kind of maybe paid attention to this, but there are private companies that can tell you what areas of a country, which country, um, and how those countries get online. So they can measure that. Okay, so they have access to all flow of information, right? That's number one. So if you're Iran who can't trust anyone right now, what do you do? You reinforce your nation's infrastructure, 
for cyber protections. This is exactly what's going on. So how you do this is by taking it all down a notch and allowing a few avenues. Second, why are they so adamant on getting the word out? Because it's happened in Turkey. It's happened in China so many times, right? Remember when Twitter was kicked offline, just Twitter was kicked offline in Turkey when the coup happened, right? They talked about it and then they forgot about it. But here they, they keep making the same points. Oh, you know, if the government has any access to the internet and it's, you know, and it's not in the hands of private companies, big corporations, then they could just turn it off. Right. Because private companies, as we can see, right. Don't turn things off. Don't limit speech. Like Facebook doesn't limit speech because they don't like what you have to say. Neither does Twitter, right? Because Twitter not only can ban you off of their platforms, right? They ban your device. They ban your device, not just your handle. They can ban your device, meaning your actual device is blacklisted from accessing any Jack Dorsey things. Are you, are you getting this? So they are pushing for people to rely on private companies that you have to blindly trust will align with your right to free access of the Internet. Are you getting this? This is really important for 2020, guys. What's going on in Iran is half of what they're telling you. Okay? And they're also, they literally told you, yeah, we can monitor every country's access to the internet. We can monitor the, the massive information, uh, where it's coming from, what platforms. And, you know, suddenly all these people that don't have access have access to go on Skype, you know, with these uh, specific, you know, news groups to be able to tell you which you could say. Oh, it's probably satellite. Yeah, it probably is. But Iran is decades behind in regards to cyber implementation nationwide as their people are now evolving into that. They're starting to say, oh, it's Trump's fault because he's put sanctions on them. Oh, this. This is what the news isn't telling you. That A, we can monitor every single nation, every single city, every single vicinity down to the house on the corner of your street how much Internet usage they have. And now we're telling you Iran has dropped from this much Internet usage to less than 5%. That they're not allowing apps to run. No, 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 no. They're not. They're restructuring their cybersecurity. That's what they're doing. And other nations have done this globally and no one has talked at all. Oh, we have protests. Yeah, we should ask the Atlantic Council, the Brookings Institute and all those people funding protests, how it's going. We already know that Iran is only a matter of time to be a diffuse situation. It's done. But what they're trying to do is mitigate and stop President Trump from accomplishing what he initiated and what is what has happened. Be very afraid when they promote that all access should be only in private hands, that people should have access to be able to turn you off because for you to not see the dangers of it, I am all about less government, a hundred percent for other nations, especially, but for our nation, our government having oversight on private companies is imperative because that allows us transparency. You don't have transparency when it comes to private companies. I'm a private company. I don't need to show you any books. I don't need to show you any documentation, any source code because I'm a private company. But if I'm publicly controlled, not controlled, overseen, let's say, if I'm publicly overseen 
uh, then I have to be transparent. And if it is a public entity, have to be p- transparent. And we still have to work on that because apparently we're supposed to have transparency, but you know, there's slush funds everywhere and, you know, obfuscation and information with this bucket code of national security or ongoing investigations. That's how they stymie you on uh, FOIA requests. It's like, look, you work for me, buddy. I need to see what you're doing. It's like going to a contractor, paying them to build a house, and then you're just like, yo, can I see like the, the invoices, your plan, like who's being hired, how you're vetting this, timelines, and they're like, nah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a private company. I don't need to show you. But you're working for me. Yeah, so that doesn't work like that. Imagine that works on both ends right now in the U.S., both the pl- public entities and private entities. This is indeed very scary, and no one is talking about it, and that's why we We need to be talking about it. We need to be aware of it because they are going to be using this rhetoric going forward. Now, before we get into the phone call and analyzing, I want to play the uh, Jim Jordan and Ratcliffe questioning, you know, Holmes and uh, that that dude, Fiona Hill. So let's start with Jim Jordan. What's that, sir? Why didn't your boss bring up the call that you overheard? The reason you're here today. I mean, you're their closing witness. Yet their star witness, their first witness, Ambassador Taylor, didn't even bring it up. And when we deposed you, you said this was extremely distinctive experience, one of the most remarkable events of my life. You described it like this. You said, after the call happens, I immediately told Deputy Chief of Mission and others at the embassy about the call. Then you said you went on vacation. You told several friends and family about the call. Then you come back on August 6th and you tell Ambassador Taylor about the call. And then in your deposition statement, you said in in your statement today as well, I repeatedly refer to the call in meetings and conversations where the issue of the president's interest in Ukraine was relevant. I repeatedly refer to the call in meetings and conversations where the issue of the president's interest in Ukraine was relevant. That sounds like government speak for you told everybody. Yet their star witness, their first witness, Ambassador Taylor, when he came here, he related 13 different conversations he had between July 18th when the aid is frozen, September 11th when it's released. 13 different conversations, never once mentioning this call. July 19th, Dr. Hill, Colonel Vindman told Taylor what Sondland told them. July 19th, Sondland told Taylor about the upcoming Trump-Zelensky call. July 20th, Sondland told Taylor what Sondland told Zelensky to tell Trump. July 20th, Dana Look tells Taylor what Zelensky told Dana Look. July 28th, Morrison tells Taylor what happened on the Trump-Zelensky call. August 16th, Volker tells Taylor what Yarmack told Volker. August 21st, Breckbull talks to Taylor. August 22nd, Morrison talks to Taylor. August 29th, Yarmack talks to Taylor. September 1st, Morrison tells Taylor what Sondland told Morrison about what Yarmack told Sondland. September 2nd, Morrison tells Taylor what Danilook told Morrison. September 7th, Morrison tells Taylor what Sondland told Trump. And September 8th, Sondland tells Taylor what Trump told Sondland. Nowhere. Nowhere is there is there a Holmes tells Taylor what the president of the United States told Sondland. May I answer that question? Yeah, I'll get to you. I'll, I'll give you a chance here in a Thank second. You. But 13 conversations, 13 conversations from their star witness. You're their closing witness. And he can't remember a call from a guy he works with every single day. Why? Yes, sir. So. Immediately when I went back to the embassy after this uh, this lunch on the 26th, I told my direct supervisor, uh, the deputy chief of mission, uh, I would have told Ambassador Taylor immediately, except he was on the front lines that afternoon. 
I then went on, as I testified, my vacation on Saturday, came back the following Monday, and on Tuesday I was back in the ambassador's office where uh, I referred to the call. In that week plus that I was away, uh, it was my assumption that uh, the deputy chief of mission would have informed other people about the call as well. Uh, so my recollection is when I did refer to the call in that meeting that Ambassador Taylor nodded knowingly um, uh, as though he had been briefed on it. So I referred to the call and I mentioned uh, some of my takeaways from the call. And at the time, the main takeaway from the call was the president doesn't care about Ukraine. So we're going to have a tough road ahead to convince him that it's important enough for him to schedule an Oval Office meeting for President Zelensky and ultimately to release this hold on security assistance. That was the takeaway. And that's what I referred to repeatedly in the coming weeks whenever it became, became relevant. And I'll remind you, uh, uh, sir, that, that one more important point. Um, it, Throughout this time, as I've testified, we were trying to find uh, a formula, things we could do with the Ukrainians that would convince the president that they were worth talking to. Maybe, maybe Mr. Holmes, the takeaway was he thought it was no big deal because he already knew. He didn't remember because we already had the transcript. No, I, he, I didn't remember the, he didn't remember the, we, we had the, 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 the Trump-Zelensky transcript had been out for two months. Sir, I believe that when Even I... Even though you're repeatedly bringing this conversation up, as you said, to everybody, when it's, when there, anytime there's a talk about Ukraine, you, you recall this conversation, maybe it was the transcript, the call happened on the July 25th, that's four months ago, the transcript's been out for two months, maybe the ambassador thought, this is, this is nothing new here, but... Shazam, last week you come forward with supposedly this new information. There is nothing different in there than what we had on the transcript. Maybe that's the reason their star witness, their first witness, didn't bring it up. But they had to have something. So you're their closing witness because you overheard you overheard the president talking to Ambassador Sondland. Sir, if I could answer, I see four seconds left on the clock. Um, I Mr. believe Mr. that... Mr. Holmes, you may take as long as you need. Thank you, sir. I believe that Ambassador Taylor did already know when I briefed him when I returned from vacation on the 6th. He, it was not news to him that the president was pressing for a Biden investigation. That's not what I ask. I asked why he didn't share with us. Well, Jordan, Mr. Jordan, please it, do not interrupt the witness any further. Uh, Mr. Holmes, this, this is exactly Mr. Jordan's time has expired, but yours is not. Okay, thank you, You may sir. answer the question. <laughs> uh, it's exactly my point. Wow, what a pony show, right? You can't talk anymore, uh, you know, Republican questioner. Uh, we're going to let uh, Mr. Holm tell us how his supersonic hearing and how, you know, nobody remembered him saying how he, super, he has supersonic hearing uh, and what he's oh, – just listen to what he, how he responds to this. Point. Um, I brief the call in detail of the deputy chief of mission. When I wait for a week, come back. I refer to the call, and everyone is nodding. Of course that's what's going on. Of course the president is pressing for a Biden investigation before he'll do these things the Ukrainians want. There was nodding agreement. Okay, so I just want to say, um, Holmes, while he was answering this question, looked like that insane person that you have across from you that is advocating for rights that don't need to be advocated for. He looks like a... Um, uh, have you ever... Okay, so he reminds me completely, uh, me being across from someone telling me of how, you know, um, gay people don't have rights in the United States, how they're being oppressed, how, you know, uh, they don't get jobs. And I'm like, and this is a Silicon Valley kind of discussion. And I'm like, all right, so if you look at Silicon Valley, the highest paying jobs 
are two people that have come out of the closet, both male and female, uh, highest tech paying jobs in executive offices, the highest paying jobs in PR, in media are all going to the LGBTQ, um, whatever other alphabet you want to put there. Um, and that could be down to their ability to be more creative, more out of the box because they're more fluid sexually, right? That, that, that makes sense. That they don't have a rigid parameters that someone that's supposedly a heterosexual should have. Okay. If we want to kind of create like this bucket of rule of thumb things. Well, his face is kind of like, yeah, they make it look like this because they make it look like this because, because they have no argument and they want to base that this 0.5% of the whole population, 0.05% of the U.S. population is, you know, being suppressed and this is a matter of national importance. This is exactly the positions he's at. You can see him with his hands, opening them up, constantly putting it out there as if he's being open with you. Um, and this is a high deception. Okay. Uh, doing it once or twice. And, you know, it's kind of like your hands are facing your chest. Your palms are facing it. Then you open them up, like come in and then you close them again. Come in. That is de fact deception. So listen to how he finalizes this. So did I go through every single word in the call? No, because everyone by that point agreed. It was obvious what the president was pressing for. And Ambassador Taylor, as you've just outlined, had all those other interactions. But he didn't share it with. Yeah, he's like, everybody else agreed. Well, if you didn't talk about the call and all you got is nods, how did you know that everybody agreed? It makes absolutely no sense. Mr. Jordan, please do not interrupt. But, sir, 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 my vivid recollection of an event I was involved with was a touchstone experience that to me validated and what sir, Jordan, can, please what, what we interrupt. believed and ambassador taylor was not in that call and so all he of a sudden last week mr. you got to come mr. tell jordan, us right? mr jordan you know, your boss will allow wouldn't. the witness to answer the question I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this thank you he was involved in a number of other interactions as you've outlined that brought him to the same conclusion it is quite possible that that he doesn't share the mr. one that mr mr jordan mr jordan you may not like the witness's answer but we no, will I, hear I, it. there wasn't an answer mr jordan we will hear the witness answer okay so there goes that hammer filibuster not answering the question right let's let's uh see again now we're gonna hear how holmes literally changes his story on the spot okay on the spot he changes his story listen colleague across the aisle congressman himes uh left this off is both earlier. hill and holmes um, being interviewed by Ratcliffe. Hill, he was not defending you he was uh defending himself and democrats I want to make sure the record's very clear. Uh, Ranking Member Nunes was correct. He correctly noted uh, in his opening that Republicans, not Democrats on this committee, were the first ones, the first ones to raise the issue of Russian interference in the 2016 election. The disagreement wasn't about Russian meddling. The disagreement was about whether or not President Trump conspired with Russia a false allegation peddled by the Democrats generally and specifically by some Democrats on this committee. With that, Mr. Holmes, I want to turn to you and the part of the conversation, uh, your testimony where you said you heard President Trump say, is he going to do the investigation? And Ambassador Sondland said he's going to do it. 
he'll do anything you ask him to. Is that right? Yes, sir. What did President Trump say next? He said, uh, he said, Story time. what about Sweden? He said what? Sir, he, sorry, I need to look at back where we are in the middle of the conversation here. Um, where are we from the testimony? Did, you, he, did he just say Sweden? Is he making stuff up? Ratcliffe is cracking a smile, by the way. Right. Exactly. So then they turned to the Sweden conversation. What did President Trump say next? He said, good, what about Sweden? Good, what about Sweden? We're talking about Julian Good. Assange. What about Sweden? That's a Why drop. isn't that in, the, in your statement? Sir, it's, it's not a word for word, every single word in the conversation. But it's the most important part of the conversation. Well, then they turn to Sweden. They turn to the other topic. And what did we hear about Sweden, you guys? We heard that they dropped the charges against Julian Assange, whose brain is being melted right now in the United Kingdom. So by the time he gets here, it's just mush liquefied liquefication of humans that's a good topic we should get on at some point uh you know when it's a slow news week uh per se around christmas because a lot of things are going to be brewing uh you know underneath the surface um with a little bit of you know we should talk about that so then they talked about sweden which is not in any of his transcripts or anything this is what happens when you need to plant information and you're being questioned on a global stage is to drop statements so more can happen. Kind of like there was a nine, September 9th phone call and President Trump, they're not giving me the call records. Watch mask for it. Oh, Sweden. What do you mean about Sweden? There's more here to investigate. Did the U.S. press on Julian Assange? Is that going to be next? I'll see you all in just a bit. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So now we are uh, going to continue listening to what how Ratcliffe pretty much gets Holmes to change his story um, right on the spot, really. Right on the spot. Um, talking about Sweden. So he heard more of this phone call. So not only did he hear that it was President Trump in the cafeteria over talking people, you know, and through... You know, even though the phone was up to, um, you know, his ear, uh, he could hear the whole conversation. And he also talked about Sweden. Listen to how he digs himself into this lie more. And if you actually watch the video, you can see that he's uh, consciously paralyzing his micro expressions, uh, the ones that are by the bridge of the nose and uh, the ones by the forehead. But when you concentrate in the upper area of the face, to conceal your emotions, it is more evident in your lower part of the face. So it would be around the lips, the cheeks, and the neck. Take a listen. Respectfully, <clears throat> Mr. Holmes, this impeachment inquiry is based on the call the day before where President Trump, as part of a bribery scheme, <clears throat> as part of an extortion scheme, as part of a quid pro quo, according to the Democrats, demanded investigations in exchange for either military aid or a White House meeting. And the next day, you were witness to President Trump receiving word that the bribery scheme was successful. The extortion scheme was successful. 
And his response, <clears throat> his response was, good. What about Sweden? Yes, sir. The, the Ukraine portion of that conversation was extremely brief. What was the first thing the president said on the call? He's, uh, this was he's, they, clear, they discussed, you had a clear recollection of this conversation. Yes, sir. Mr. Radka, please allow Mr. Holmes to answer. Yes, sir. Uh, Sondland greeted the president. How? He said, I'm in, he said, Mr. He said, hello, Mr. President, I'm in Ukraine, I'm in Kyiv. And the president correct, uh, said, uh, are you in Ukraine? You think he said, I think you're in Ukraine? In Ukraine? He said what? He said, are you in Kyiv, Ukraine? What did you hear President Trump say about ASAP Rocky? I did not hear President Trump's side of the conversation about ASAP Rocky. You said, how did we go from the conversation was very loud and rec his voice was recognizable to, as you say here, when the conversation shifted, I could only hear Ambassador Sondland's side of the conversation. Yes, sir. As I've testified, uh, the initial part of the call, Ambassador Sondland sort of when the president came on the call, uh, he sort of winced and held the phone away from his ear uh, for the initial portion of the call. And then at some point in the call, he stopped doing that. Uh, and I don't know why. I don't know if he turned the volume down. I don't know if the president spoke less, more quietly. I don't know if he got used to the, to the volume. I don't know what changed. What, what did change? It's important. This was memorable. I don't know, sir. It was Ambassador Sondland stopped moving the phone away from his ear. Okay, so what he said was he winced. Have you guys ever, like, picked up the phone and put it to your ear and you get a screeching sound or there's a lot of noise? It was really funny how it was like he picked it up. He's like, oh, yeah, hello, Mr. First of all, having listened in on calls like that, that doesn't happen. Even if they call you on their cell, on your cell phone, right? Uh, there's, hi, uh, we, this is a secure line. We have the president of the United States on the phone. Please hold. And then they come on, right? So it's a switch. There's no beeping. There's no sound. There's no, and the wincing is so weird, right? So that was bizarre right there. That was bizarre right there. The wincing and everything. And he's like, yeah, hello, Mr. President. Um, but he winced at first and pulled the, the phone far away and then put it back, meaning that he was um, distraught with the sound that he was hearing in his ear. So what he didn't want to hear from the president. And that's what he is. That what he's trying to put forward that Sondland didn't want to hear from the president. He was like, "Ugh, he's calling me. Is that it? Because I'm not understanding what it is that the problem is. And you know, what's funny is them calling him on his cell phone. They knew exactly where he was and who was around him. See, if I want to tap into your phone and I have that capability, no matter where you are in the world, especially if I'm calling a government registered phone, not only do I know where your phone is located, like pinpoint accuracy, but I can also see all the other connections that are surrounding you. So what Holmes is saying is, yeah, I was like right there and I heard it and it was like, you know, we could hear everything. How much you want to make a bet that there's CCTV footage of that restaurant meeting? Because I talked about a Bill Taylor meeting at the end of August in a very specific restaurant in the Ukraine, in Kiev, right, with Bill Taylor. Um, kind of said it. Eyes are everywhere. So here we have Holmes literally lying. Listen to how he digs himself even deeper here. That's what, That's what it was? Yes. Okay. How did the conversation end? I only heard Ambassador Sondland's side of the conversation, sir. And at the end of the conversation, he said, he said, uh, this, 
he was giving the president advice on how to deal with this ASAP Rocky situation. And he said, you know, they should have released him on your word, and you can tell the Kardashians you tried. Okay. So to be clear, when President Trump received word that uh, President uh, Zelensky had agreed to the investigations, he said, good. What about Sweden? Yes. When exactly did uh, uh, Gordon Sondland ask President Zelensky about the investigations? I'm sorry, sir? When did he ask about the investigations? When did Gordon Sondland ask Zelensky about the investigations? Yeah. Uh, you're asking which, in which meeting did he raise the investigations? Well, it was raised the day before on a call, and the next yes. day, Gordon Sondland said the answer to that was yes, he's going to do the investigation. So when did he... Ask about the investigation. My, my assumption is he did it in the closed door meeting with Yermak. Well, I don't want to. Uh, Time of the gentleman's expired. I appreciate that, but I want to make sure the record's clear that yesterday Ambassador Sondland testified the that the topic of conversations did Time not come up on that day. I Time back. the gentleman has. Oh yeah, we can't throw out facts and just make sure everybody remembers that um, he said something different yesterday. Uh, that's where the time expires and that's where the hammers come down and how you're not allowed, uh, you know, to ask those questions. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? How they just cease it off and just turn it off. So now I think it's important that, um, we first listen to what, um, the White House, well, the, I just want us to listen to the beginning of the breaking news Fox report, uh, from, uh, early this morning. And then we're going to turn into, tune into the Fox and Friends where we're going to analyze that whole call. He tells you so much. Remember, it's all about listening and parsing. So we'll listen to it together and parse it together. Explosive new reports just out on the origins of the Russia probe. The brand new claims the FBI falsified a key document to launch secret surveillance of the Trump campaign. Welcome to a brand new hour of America's Newsroom. It is Friday morning. It's nice to see you all. I'm Sandra Smith. I have something for you. Yes. Mr. Bill Hammer. Yeah. 39 days left in 2019. Is that right? How many shopping days? (laughs) Exactly. Good morning to you, Smitty. I'm Bill Hammer. Good morning. On a Friday, new information coming ahead of a long anticipated report. That report will be made public in about two and a half weeks, and it comes right as the impeachment hearing uh, hits a fever pitch. Did the FBI allegedly abuse its power to target former Trump campaign aide Carter Page? Wait, okay, so I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something right now. These FISA reports, when they were created in 2016, right, that was like the feedback boom. We have to pay attention to who was put into a position of power this weekend. I promise you, you will have a profile on a person that is possibly, possibly helping everyone within the FBI that's in trouble, move money around. And they are former FBI too. And it is so big, right? So big. And this tells you everything you need to know because now they're crunching down on the lawyers, but You know, when you see all these FBI agents and DOJ personnel leaving the Russia, the Mueller Russia investigation and all flocking to one private company that has to do with money, you got to sit back and think, what is going on? Especially when that financial institution is a huge Republican backer and they donated to the Trump campaign a lot of money. How much you want to make a bet that there might be some fabrication indicating, you know how we know that the Clinton Foundation got billions and billions and billions of dollars from the Ukraine funneled into the Clinton Foundation to kind of help with the whole, I don't know, election cycle, right? 
how much you want to make a bet that this is going to backtrack to something like this too. But see, we're already ahead of it. See, we're ahead of it because we already know kind of like we're already ahead of homes and we already know just how, you know, um, fabricated this is, you know, the media is owned by six corporations, right? We know this. They have the bullhorn to tell you what's important, what's not important. But here's the thing. What right now where we're at is that nobody listens to them anymore. They listen to people that have nothing to do with the mainstream media that are clearly driven by the people. You know, uh, someone might say, you know, uh, like I always say, follow the money, right? So where are my interests? Think about it. I'm on the radio. Where are my interests? Nowhere except for my own pocket. Whatever I make personally, I invest, you know, and take out of my family's budget to make sure that I get the news out and it's totally untinted. People buy me coffee though and all that stuff. And you would say, well, you know, someone sent you, you know, $17 here and, you know, $25 there and $5 there. You're, you know, driven. No, cause I don't, I don't know these people. They don't tell me, Hey, would you do this for me? Or, Hey, here's uh this, um, put that out for me. Nobody drives anything. Uh, and, and you know what model is like that? Laura Loomer. This is why they deplatformed her. This is why they went after her because she was a hundred percent funded by herself and the people. And so this makes the mainstream media no longer a news source. And you would say that, well, you know, even Laura Loomer, yourself, Scott Adams, whoever, right, that puts out news, Paul Sperry, all of them, all of these people that are not mainstream, okay, we'll have to like even parse it down even less, the small pockets of people that are putting out the news, Q even, right, all of those, right, you have to think, um, they're controlled by a political ideology or they speak from a, a political perspective of their own. Because that's a very big difference. Because, see, political ideology is something that you can quantify, right? What makes you money? It's kind of like when I did my internship at a very, very well-known global PR firm years ago. I realized that they were driven by political ideologies since they were funded by political ideologies. Are you getting it? They were being funded by political ideologies, and that is where the difference is in the news. How can you trust someone that is being funded by political ideologies, not political perspectives, right? Because I'm pretty sure that the people that, you know, PayPal me or cash App me are about getting the truth out, about getting the freedom. They're like, you know, this is operating cost. You're taking time off your work. Let's help. It's not, hey, would you align with this? All of them don't even agree with me. I've got people that send me angry mail, I had one person send me $5 um, after seeing a post that I had made on Facebook. Um, and Facebook has been censoring like my random posts on the Tory Says page there uh, where I was like, oh, got myself, you know, my Christmas, you know, drink from Starbucks and sent me $5 and said, well, I'm sending this to you, even though I don't agree with this, you know, you're still doing this. <laughs> so I just want to say the media is how we're going to bring this whole house down. We need to show unequivocal proof that the media has been working with them hand in hand. Because once that becomes so apparent that you can't even obfuscate it anymore, it's over.
they lose. Because then those liberals that are far left, but semi woke, you know, like, I don't like people telling me what to do. Cause you know, they're like the anarchists, right? We're against the government. We want freedom, no borders and love for everyone. But when they find out that they've been duped, people that find out they've been duped are the angriest people ever. How many times in your life have you been duped? Think about times that you've been duped where your best friend, you know, uh, totally, you know, uh, blindsided you where your girlfriend or boyfriend, husband or wife totally kept something from you. You're like, yo, oh, I was so duped. Uh, or, you know, your employer totally dupes you. Think how angry you were when that happened. Now imagine being an insane lefty that doesn't know what, you know, gender they are or anything. And they find out that the mainstream media has been duping them. That's what happens. How do we create, uh, they're going to realize that they've created facts into fiction and fiction into facts. They're going to know they've been duped and they are going to be what? Identified as a mouthpiece for the party of being controlled. Now there are some people that want to be controlled. Let's, let's understand this. They want to be controlled. And it's not as if, um, you know, people will go out and research things. You know, imagine if you're un- under constant distractions of life. So I myself am under constant distractions of life, aside from having children and, you know, personal stuff and, uh, you know, a paying, you know, g- you know, paid work and, um, you know, looking after my dog, my cat, right? All these things, going to church, participating, trying to be social, not become, you know, agoraphobic and stay at home all the time, you know, travel projects, you know, all this stuff, paying bills, right? I, I, I make time, um, even though I'm under those stressors because I find that Every single aspect of my life is surrounding my ability to be free. You know, it's, 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 it's the, the main point is I have to be free in order to be able to function the way I want, the way I want my family to proceed. But how many other people are like that? You know, I have a lot of people asking, like, when do you ever sleep? <laughs> Probably why I got hit so hard when my daughter brought that flu bug home, right? Um, and it's people that want to know the truth and how many people have the time to. When you're working three jobs, when you're, you know, when you've got kids, you've got Christmas coming up, you don't know if your paycheck's going to come in. I'm just saying for people that have that instability, right? Um, sick, you know, there's so many factors that run in. How, how, how do we get the news out to those people? We try to make it as easy as possible, right? Uh, we put out posts. We use social media because everyone's connected on social media, hoping that people can take a look. We try to make research, uh, you know, that we've done put in one place, kind of like, uh, you know, the article that I wrote on the Ukraine on Tori says.com. I wrote the article that the Ukraine is the Democrat party's Hiroshima in there. I put all my articles from September telling you about the Ukraine treaty telling you about extraditions from the United, uh, from, from, um, uh, Ukraine, from the Ukraine, uh, indicating and demonstrating and talking to you about, uh, criminal indictments, telling you about the roundup of these uh, bank heads in the Ukraine, telling you or hinting to you about a big automotive company that has investments from the United States, from very big capital firms, all down on the lettered streets in DC, funneling back to senators and Congress people. 
I put it all in one document because again, people don't have that ability. So when we have talking heads on CNN, on MSNBC, on ABC, on CBS, on Fox, and even OAN, okay, telling you things constantly bombarding you at your work, if you're at a hotel or airport, uh, you know, you're, you're going to tune out of doing the research. You're just going to take it as fact. And for some reason, uh, I've said this before, and I, and I remember that when I was uh, um, trying to get some project done, I remember being faced with the same question, who are you? And I'm like, I just introduced myself. Yeah, but who are you? You mean what brand do I align with? Do you mean what tiara or crown I'm wearing? Is that what you're asking? That I have to be someone for you to listen to me? Because what I tell you uh, isn't, you know, aligned with some three letters that you believe is valid as a brand. So is it like we have news that are Gucci and news that are, you know, um, TJ Maxx level? Is that what you're saying? Because TJ Maxx has got some nice brands too. So does Ross, you know, those discount people, right? I'm just saying. This is the problem. Is that people see the blue check mark and they're like, yep, that person's reliable. Why are they reliable? Because they've been verified by Twitter. Twitter that's hindering speech. Twitter that's allowing them to do things and say things that other people have been banned for, but they remain. Mm, Interesting. Is that how you validate your sources by the majority, the mainstream point of view, guys? How many times have we had this conversation? Many times. Because it's coming into being very important right now. Because it's really, really hard for people to tune out things that are repeated again and again and again and again by blue check marks on both sides of the aisle. How many times have I said, why is the right wing media, all the mainstream media outlets um, and non-mainstream, you know, the ones you find on the Internet, like these other outlets, you know, beating to the drum of the deep state? They're responsive in reporting the news rather than proactive. They don't tell you things like, hey, we just delivered all these choppers to this country. No one's going to talk about it because nobody else is talking about it. Kind of like Iran. No one's really talking about it. Pompeo's like, ooh, Internet for Iran, because he wants people to start talking about it. Because people don't want to talk about it. And then when they start talking about it, they're talking about it in another way. Right. In another way, they're trying to tell you how bad it is for government to have control of anything or overseeing anything. This is where you need to be paying attention. It seems like we're constantly in this echo chamber with, you know, random voices coming out and popping off. Right. That's how it feels, doesn't it? If only people would be objective. Remember, I've been saying this for over a year, subjective and objective point of views. We're always going to be subjective because it comes from us. What is it called? The democratic socialists say point of privilege, right? Point of privilege. Well, it's always going to be subjective from there. But how do you become objective when it comes to the facts? If you're, if you're constantly being pushed to be subjective in things. Okay. This is very important. Uh, we've said it before. If we, if we pay attention to the rhetoric from, from the mainstream media for 40 years now, it's been divisive. It's, um, showcasing classes that have a minor percentage. Uh, it's always r- 
Republicans or Democrats, Republican or Democrats. It's all about, you know, keeping people in line and you filing behind one group or another. You can't stand in the middle and say, well, you messed up here. You messed up there. I don't like this, you know, and, and, and you're not falling in line with anything. They will cut your head off. And that's the way it is because you're not free and we haven't been free for a while. We have been controlled like nobody's uh, no, like you can't even imagine how much we've been controlled. And when you parse through things, when you parse through audio together, when we do it together, you hear things that you didn't hear in the first place. And you're like, well, wait a minute. Oh, I missed that. So in the next hour, we're going to be parsing President Trump's call into Fox and Friends about the upcoming FISA report, about the impeachment, things, key things he says about Adam Schiff that'll make you go, hmm, if you listen to it again and pause and digest it. The fact that he's like, yeah, you know, if Rudy Giuliani was AG, but, you know, I trust Barr. And we all know where I sit with Barr. Okay. We all know where I sit with Barr. Ever see The Wizard of Oz? No, that's a bad example. I have to find a better example of where I place him. You know, everybody missed the fact that everybody was talking about Pence and Warsaw and how they all talked to someone that's in the chain of command, but not their direct chain of command, but above them, of course. And it's like, and they nod and they say, and they do. And it's like, ooh. and then they ask, why was his plane turn around? Why are you asking these questions? Where are you going with it? No one listens to that. No one runs with it because it's like, oh, maybe it's just a, a thing. This is what they want you to understand. We're seeing between, look at the, the, the right movement. Okay, guys, before we break here, I want you guys to take a moment while um, the radio station's commercials are going to think about it this way. Look at the people that were within the Trump administration, no longer with the Trump administration, people that were considered, you know, big voices of the right because they just say things like, oh, and they retweet things and everyone's like, whoa, or they write books or tell you about things or demonstrate things or they're the coolest and they do all these periscopes and they do this and they're the news and it's like, stop, you are giving them credit where it's not due because it's reactive. Anybody can sit there and churn out, you know, repeating pieces of stuff other people do or take a piece that was written by the left or spoken by the left and then rebrand it into the right. Where are the investigations? There's only a few people right now in the United States of America actually producing investigatory topics, like doing investigative work and proactive work for our nation and for the people. You have to understand that. Look at who's talking about what the mainstream media is telling you is important. And look who's like, hey, don't don't look at that. Look at this. This is really important and nobody's talking about it. Kind of like the article that I wrote yesterday. Ambassadors down in D.C. totally smashing Trump foreign policy. Like, who are these people? Oh, yeah. Part of the Brookings Institute. Oh, yeah. Part of the Atlantic Council. Kind of the same group. What did I tell you? The same click. It's no different than middle school and high school. This is all about clicks. This is all about who you know. It's who you play with. And the more you realize that, the easier it's going to become to see things clear and wake up and fall out of that queue of people that just line up behind the blue line or the red line. Stand in the middle, man. Those that think outside the box create their own realities. 
Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. And like I said, now we're going to parse into uh, President Trump's call into Fox and Friends. But before we do so, I want to recap how the media now has taken the position that, you know, them fact-checking, and remember their version of facts, right? Like, Schiff, you're a fact witness. Fact of what? You have a witness that witnessed absolutely nothing, and you're calling them a witness. All they have is, I believe, oh, I overheard, oh, and I overheard this too, and this too, in because I have supersonic hearing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we had Jack Tapper, Jake Tapper, whoa, Jack, Freud and Slip. Mm. Jake Tapper, who's, who is he? Look at his history. Saying that there's malice and forethought about the president. And that he's trying to gaslight the community. Gaslight our nation. Gaslight? You guys have been creating division within our nation for decades. You are unapologetic about it. You lie, lie, and lie again. You bring people that are currently under criminal investigation where their grand jury is deliberating and some of them have come out and we just haven't unsealed the indictment yet because we want to arrest them when we want to arrest them. We have you tipping reality on its head and you do not control that reality to a point. Because if the mainstream media is all bullhorning one message, unfortunately, that penetrates. It's kind of like, have you ever heard, uh, don't, don't say you're, you know, oh, when I was growing up, you know, my family would call me a loser all the time. Loser, loser, loser. You've seen the movies where the kids are like, you know, in jail and, you know, drug addicts and stealing cars. And they're like, oh, they would call me good for nothing. And it's like, because if you hear it too much, it becomes part of you. It like enters into that subconscious, you know, overnight when you're sleeping, you can play like um, uh, suggestive messages under music, right? Think, think. Music that only your subconscious can grab those underlying messages, you know, all of those. Uh, people use it to be more, less anxious or better their relationship or become rich or become thin by listening to waves and music and encouraging suggestive messages as they sleep. So imagine when you're grinding all day at work. And these suggestive messages are constantly on repeat, you know, as the undertone. You sitting here saying, this is all BS. I can see it. The Democrats are corrupt. I can see it. They've been making money everywhere. I could see it. They're trying to take over the world. I can see it. They're few and we are many. I can see it. But yet for some reason, you're in panic mode that they're in control. How many messages like that I get? Oh, look at them. They're still walking. And it's like, man, you could be the bull in the China cabinet and you can be effective as a bull in a China cabinet, but up to a point, there's got to be that counterbalance of patience, of underlying patience to get things done correctly. And we lack that because we're allowing that, those subliminal messages to enter in. Every time you see it go down your feed, every time you see it on uh, you know, a billboard, every time you hear a snippet of it, they know exactly what they're doing. Psychology 101. No, psych. Psychiatry 101 on reform, educational reform, re-education, whatever you want to call it. And how do we stop it? By just tuning out. 
you know, but all of you are a victim to following most of these people. And it's not just in the left. It's on the right, too. And anyone that falls out of that box is considered, what is it? Um, They don't wear the tiara, the sash. They're not a brand name. So, you know, you're not a brand. So, And the minute you do become a brand, you're a target. Alex Jones, for example, always a brand. This guy has kept me companies in some really dark places talking. I absolutely adore him, even though I don't agree with everything he says. I adore him. But lately, he's been infiltrated. And how do you tell him, dude, what are you doing? Like, see this. They create this uncertainty within his own ranks that he is hiring and bringing people next to him that are all part of the what? He's going to end up just like Roger Stone. But don't worry. The president has got this. You know, Roger Stone isn't going to jail. He's not. This is all going to change. This is all coming out. Mm, You know, people are being protected. Good journalists that had blue check marks and then lost them. Very important. Have almost like angels surrounding them. Everybody around the world that is in this fight, specifically within the United States, and amplifying their voice more and more is protected. They don't have to worry about it. When normally they would, they don't, because he sees everything. And he protects those that are hurt the most. Now take a listen to him dialing in, and we'll parse it, because listening is so important, and we've lost that ability. Good morning. Good to have you on Fox and Friends today. Uh, as you said in your tweet, another slow news week. Uh, let's start with the fact that uh, the story that Griff just brought us, that it sounds like a former uh, FBI lawyer, it sounds like, uh, was doing something with the FISA application. That person got removed. And this goes to your argument that uh, somebody at the FBI was out to get you, right? Well, it certainly does. And they were spying on my campaign, and it went right up to the top, and everybody knows it. And now we're going to find out. Uh, You have uh, Bull Durham, who's supposed to be the toughest. I've never met him, never spoke to him, but he's supposed to be the smartest and the best. And he works works for Bill Barr, who's a great attorney general. Uh, We would maybe have ended this thing a lot sooner had he been there originally. But you have some people that are great people now and uh, patriotic people. They love our country. And this was spying on my campaign, something that has never been done in the history of our country. This was an overthrow attempt at the presidency. They tried to overthrow the presidency. This is a disgrace. But I'm not surprised to see it. It's just starting to come up. I think this is nothing compared to what you'll see over the next couple of weeks. These media outlets are sick. These media outlets are saying that the FBI lawyer manipulated and altered key documents related to that warrant application. So Tory knows who that lawyer is, and Tory's going to drop that lawyer this weekend, just letting you know. So that they could get permission to surveil uh, Carter Page. He was on with Maria, Mornings with Maria, a few minutes ago, and he says it's a cover-up. Listen. They have just been putting false information out there to the, me- the media, the Democrats and their allies in Washington, their Washington in the media, constantly pushing lies after lies. And then finally, this gets picked up by a court. It gets picked up by the Comey McCabe FBI. And they got a warrant, a fraudulent warrant, I believe, to spy on myself as a way of getting into the Trump campaign. There has been a continued cover-up to this very day. We still don't have the truth, but hopefully we'll get that soon. 
How does this compare with what happened with that Ukraine conversation? Democrats want to impeach you because of that conversation, but this looks pretty bad. So my conversation was a perfect conversation. Uh, the Ukrainian president said, what are they talking about? They must think we're nuts in this country. And uh, this conversation was flawless. It was appropriate. It was perfect. Uh, it I'm was just nice. going to flip over. Said, there we go. Here we go. To me, he's looking. He got elected on the basis right. of corruption. And I also, by the way, going back to that, why isn't Germany putting up money? Why isn't France putting up money? Why isn't uh, all of the European nations, why aren't they putting up? You have the European Union, and they're benefiting a lot more by well, I, uh, yeah. Ukraine than we are. But, but Mr. President, like can wall, I ask you? like a massive wall, yes. Who, uh, why who aren't is... they putting up money? How come it's always the United States that puts up money? The, uh, the suckers, why is it always the United States? And these are the questions I ask, right. and I continue to ask them. I'm true. Mr. President, the best you can. I know you've said that from day one about wiretapping, uh, and you've, you've felt as though the previous administration basically seems to have uh, set you up to really struggle for the first three years. Who is your source? Well, what are your sources that are telling you that the Obama administration was out to, to really hurt your administration? Well, first of all, Brian, I haven't struggled because I've done more in the first two and a half years than any president in the history of our country, and almost everybody admits it. Between rebuilding our military, the biggest tax cut in history, okay. uh, regulation... Would you say the they've been in your way? Days. Would you say they've been two in your way? Court. Well, wait a second. Two Supreme Court justices. Within a few weeks, we'll have 182 federal judges. It's a record. So I've done more than anybody Understood. that's ever had the position in a short time. But uh, they haven't made it pleasant. They're bad people. They hurt a lot of innocent people. People came down here. They got served subpoenas by Mueller and the crew. And they went through two and a half years. They found right. nothing. So uh, well, when you say that, yeah. I think we've had the most productive presidency ever for the first two and a half years. But it doesn't mean that it was pleasant. That no, I no, I know, but maybe I should have been clearer. My, my point is this. I know you, you've had that point of view, and some things are coming that direction to prove it. But who is your source that's telling you this? Uh, I can't tell you that. I can only say that we have... Uh a lot of information that a lot of bad things happened. And when you look at Strook and Page with the insurance policy where, you know, the two lovers, the two great lovers from the FBI, where he's saying, oh, she's going to win a hundred million to nothing. But just in case she loses, we have an insurance policy. Well, that means, you know, we're going to take him down. We're going to take down the president. You wouldn't even believe this is possible. Mm -hmm. But the insurance policy, that was a very big find, finding that text. And the only reason we found it was they didn't want to use their private servers for a very bad reason, okay? So they used the public server. They used the FBI server. So, so here's the thing. We have so many, regardless of what's coming out, okay, the, the information that we have now is beyond belief already. But what they have coming out, I hear, is historic. Okay. That's the way it was explained. All right, coming out in December. Historic. All right, Mr. Now, President. Of course, the fake news. Okay, I just wanted to stop right there. You see, they keep interrupting him. They keep asking, where's your sources? Where are you getting, where, where are you getting this? This is how you see the demons coming in. They don't touch on the fact that he's like, why are we the suckers? Why are we paying? They skirt over it and they go back to, you said they were spying you. Who's your source? What do you have? What did he say? I can't tell you, but there's a lot of information. Think about it this way. For those of you that actually do 
your homework that listen and read outlets that are not brand name, right? Let's call it a brand name. They're not, what is it? High street, right? How many of those people have been attacked? Like by the mainstream media, a few, um, which are the unprotected ones, uh, that are visibly attacked, but not super visibly attacked. How many of them now, what you have to think about is how many of them have been faced with litigation from wherever, just random stuff that you're just like, come on, man, what's going on here? You know, we're going, we can go to the top on the more visible loomer stone. And then we could go to the bottom where people were removed blue check marks, banned a few times from Twitter. And you're like, why are they bothering with these little people here? Why are they bothering with that? Why did NBC make sure to say, even if they have five followers, they could cause damage? Why? And why aren't they bringing them out? Because some of those people that are on Twitter, that are on Facebook, that do their own writing under pen names, their own bylines, whatever that may be, that are like commentators, right? Can unmask a lot of people. So this is where the mainstream media sits there and they're like, you know, like for example, let's pretend they went after me and started to slander me. Do you know how many things I can say? So they're never going to touch me. Never. So think about how many other people are like that. I could probably say anything you can probably imagine. I could probably say it, right? How much of it can I demonstrate? They don't know. You don't know. And that's your joker. This is what terrifies them now is that they're realizing that these alternative channels of media across the United States, uh, either that stay within the local areas, the more broader ones to cover states or regions or national are the problem. Because like I said a very long time ago, the central nervous system can fail and take out the whole network, right? But what you target is the peripheral. So the peripheral is what you have to target. The peripheral in this case would be the central nervous system is Washington, D.C., the D.C. swamp, the heads of this clique, and the peripheral are the states, the cities, the counties, the villages, the whole nine yards. Now, imagine that in every state there's maybe three to ten little pockets of people that are countering the nefarious peripherals, targeting little sections that are removing a finger and a toe. So think about it when you're a paraplegic, right? How much can you actually do if your peripherals have been taken out? See, it's all about this amazing plan of having, like he said, Lots of information from a lot of places. But let's talk about Peter Strzok and Page and this text that they did on a public server because they didn't want it on a private server, right? Listen to what else he tells you, but just pay attention to them trying to interject, and he's not even letting them get a word in, to guide the conversation the way they want it to. News will try and downplay it, but I don't think you can downplay this. The fake news is part of it. You know, it's the Democrats and the fake news. They're one and the same. They will downplay it because, like I see these hearings, where we have a great day, and then you pick up the phony New York Times, which is a total phony paper. I don't read it anymore. You can't read it. It's not even, it it has, has no relationship to the truth. So I just want to say, if you guys can go to YouTube and watch the video, you'll see the female in the middle. 
and the male on your far right self-soothing themselves, petting their hands. And you read a story that took place, and they don't tell you what happened. They only put in the bad. They don't put in the good. Same thing with the Washington Post. It's a phony paper. We no longer have it in the White House. Mr. President. And we saved a lot of money. When we're watching those closing arguments yesterday, Adam Schiff, Democrats love it. You know, I'm sure he's getting pat on the back every time he walks down the halls um, in Washington because people are saying, keep pushing, keep pushing. We want impeachment. But if you ask Republicans, and we're going to play a soundbite of his closing arguments, they say this is all theatrics. Watch this and we're going to get your reaction. Okay. It came down to the fact that the day after Bob Mueller testified, the day after Bob Mueller testified that Donald Trump invited Russian interference, hey, Russia, if you're listening, come get Hillary's emails, and later that day they tried to hack her server. The day after that, Donald Trump is back on the phone asking another nation to involve itself in another U.S. election. That says to me, this president believes he is above the law, beyond accountability. Mr. President, was there quid pro quo, extortion, bribery? No, not at all. And let me tell you, he's a sick puppy. He's so sick. This guy is so... I've been going through it for two and a half years about Russia. I've been tougher on Russia than any president in history. But for two and a half years, I've had to listen. This was their talking point, Trump and Russia. And if you take a look at it, just look at the facts. Even look at what I've done for Ukraine by giving them tank busters, by giving them stuff. And Obama would send pillows and sheets. He wouldn't send anything else. Uh, The whole thing... Now, Schiff, remember this. He makes it all up. He's sick. There's something wrong with him. So he made up my phone call. He made it up. He made up a phone call. And then when I released it, everybody was embarrassed. And crazy Nancy Pelosi, who, by the way, is going to go down as the worst speaker in the history of the House of Representatives. She hasn't done anything. All she said, she's like paralyzed. She cannot do anything. Well, Mr. President. I predict she won't do USMCA because Richard Trumpka, who's a good guy, but a big union guy, only cares about a union. Richard Trumpka has her mortified. She won't do USMCA and everybody in the country wants it, the farmers, the manufacturers. But Richard Trumpka has her like he plays her like a fiddle. And I predict she won't even do it. Okay, so. I just want to say the only person on that panel right now is um, Steve Ducey. That's not self-soothing. The other two are very uncomfortable, even though he tried to interject right now. But I want you guys to listen to to listen to how he's telling you something. We've been talking about the union and amalgamated bank, and and I was the one that broke to you about Cox that runs the union for federal employees at the MCC, right at the Manhattan Correctional Center. You're going to see that come into play because the union is a big deal. He said that Dick Dick Trumpka, you know, kind of really runs Nancy, and Dick is a really big um, voice when it comes to money. Remember, they're in debt. How did they have that debt? Remember that loan, $10 million that they got from where? Amalgamated Bank. So remember, if they've gotten a loan for $10 million and they're in the hole, supposedly seven, it makes no sense. You're like, wait a minute, no, they're in the hole more than that because they got a loan, right? USMCA being on hold because he plays them like a fiddle because who owns them? These union guys. Why? Because this is how they rape 
the pockets of every single hardworking American that thinks that their union dues are for them, that it is there to protect them. Yes, they put on a show. But you have to ask yourself in Texas, why were they using non-union federal and state taxpayer dollars to collect union dues? Think about it. All right. Think about that. How is the union that's a private, say, entity um, using tax dollars to collect union dues? Unions, money, raping the pockets of people. It's not just taxes. So dumb. This is why the teachers union plays such a big role. They've given them this Kool-Aid like they protect them. Most of the pedophiles are teachers. Most of the the, the, the insane funnelers of these... Oh, these people are sick. Like he said about Adam Schiff, he is one sick puppy. He's going to talk about Schiff again. Take a listen. And by the way, she's got such pressure on her to do it. All she has to do is put it to a vote. Right. She's holding it for six months. It's growing dust on right. her desk. And Mexico and Canada are calling saying, what's going on? Yeah. Where's our agreement? They signed it. They're yeah. all set. Mr. President, so that's big thing. a, a anyway, couple of days ahead. ago, uh, your ambassador to the United, uh, to the EU, uh, Mr. Sundland, in his opening statement, said that there was quid pro quo. There was quid pro quo, he said, because uh, you wanted an investigation into corruption in exchange for a visit to the White House or something like that. Yeah, well, that's total nonsense. I do want always corruption. I say that to anybody... Why should we give money to a, a country that's known corrupt? It's a very corrupt country. I mean, I love the people in Ukraine. I know Ukrainian people. They're great people. But it's known as being the third most corrupt com- country in the world. Now, with this guy, who, by the way, I hardly know him, okay? Uh, he, I I've spoken to him a few times. How about the guy with the telephone? How about that one? I guarantee you that never took place. He said he's sitting there listening to me. I spoke so David few Holmes. times to him. But the guy yesterday on the telephone, David Holmes, yes, I heard the conversation. Well, I have really good hearing. And I've been watching guys for 40 years make phone calls. Right. And I can't hear when you're, and you could be two feet away. I can't hear people making calls. I can't hear the other side. The phone's up in the air unless you have it on a speakerphone. You can't do it. Right. Uh, that was a total phony deal. That was a phone. You know, again, call it deep. Right. But Mr. President, Mr. President, call it anti-Trump. Your, your ambassador said that uh, there was quid pro quo because he won. Uh, you wanted an investigation into corruption, but it involved uh, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. And then it becomes like, uh, look, he's he's going after dirt on the Bidens because Joe Biden could be yeah. his uh, his opponent. But here's the thing. It's not just Biden. It's Kerry. It's Pelosi. It's Romney. Can we go on Schiff? Let me talk about these Beto. Let's talk about all these investment companies that are funneling money clinton foundation it's not just biden why are they saying biden because they convinced him to throw his hat into the race dementia biden on april 25th 2019 so they can hit this narrative and um hit the ground running the man that barack hussein obama didn't even endorse right at all because he didn't feel like he was fit to do so. He failed in the 80s when it was easier to masquerade, easier to penetrate. And all re- roads lead back to Delaware, I'm just saying. So, again, it's not just about Biden. I've said this many, many times, yet they're hitting the Biden name because people know the Biden name. Yeah, they know Pelosi. Yeah, they know Schiff. Yeah, but they're not running for president. You know, have we heard about Amy Klobuchar yet?
And her connection with Rothschild Bank that is connected to all these investments in the Ukraine, hence why they pony trip down there in 2016. Nope, not a word. But we're listening to the narratives and all media is beating to the drum of the left. You know, that's the way it is. First in 2020. All, first of all, that's not true. Okay, number one, it's absolutely not true. Now, then you have to say, Which if part? you saw Joe Which Biden, Joe Biden true? is corrupt. Okay. There was, it's not true, what he said. Now, what he said also is there was no quid pro quo. I want nothing. Remember, it was trending number yep. one. I want nothing. He said that he when he was questioned. He And by the way, check out his lawyers. They're Hillary Clinton lawyers. This guy has Hillary Clinton lawyers. They're, they're Democrats. Sunderland. But he's sitting there. Sunderland, yeah. He's sitting there with Clinton lawyers. They're passing him notes all the time. And he didn't put the most important phrase in his 22-page statement that he read. The most important phrase was, I want nothing. It's twice I said it. Mm-hmm. I want nothing. I want nothing. I want no quid pro quo. Have President Zelensky do whatever is right, something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And they didn't put that in. That was the they end of him. I said, turn off the television. That's what he said. Right. Now around you know when i go to europe i'm but skipping he was really i'm skipping a, to where it needs to be union ambassador and all of a sudden he's working on this and you know ask about that rick perry i know him very well uh frankly i'd like rick to make a statement and rick would make a statement he's a great guy i think he already made a statement great guy uh rudy is a great crime fighter rudy is the Here best mayor in the history of new york city rudy giuliani is a very legendary figure in our country rudy was the u.s attorney he also worked at the justice department believe me this kind of crap wouldn't have happened in the justice department if rudy giuliani was the attorney general just like I believe Bill Barr will straighten it out and straighten it out for good. But Rudy Giuliani was one of the great crime fighters of all time. He's also a friend of mine. He's a great person. He's like an iconic figure in this country for two reasons. He was the greatest mayor in the history of New York, and he was the greatest crime fighter probably in the last 50 years. When you're dealing with a corrupt country, if Rudy Giuliani, he's got credentials because of his reputation. When Rudy Giuliani goes there and you hear it's a corrupt country, I mean, it means a lot. But, but two of his lot. sources are indicted on, on uh, are right now in jail. Uh, ah, here we go. Remember, Tori's going to drop this one. The two sources that are right now in jail, by the way, were put in jail because of testimony from a guy that was banned entry to the United States of America because he was that corrupt and a world-renowned criminal oligarch. But uh, I digress, right? He His two clients, right, are put in jail, <laughs> Really fun to listen to, so that way you can see exactly where the corruption sits. And, you know, you can clearly see that our female host, um, she's a little bit distraught with all this, closes her eyes and stays still and self-soothes. Those are two of his sources, and, and one of his other sources is looked at as a corrupt figure. So. And by the way, they're not his sources. So in the end, it seems like you had this, you had... State Department and Rudy Giuliani working against each other. And then the accusation comes in that your ambassador uh, is being tarnished by Rudy Giuliani. Look, the ambassador, the woman, 
She wouldn't even put up she's an Obama person. You know, but I said, why are you being so kind? Well, sir, she's a woman. We have to be nice. She's very tough. Uh, I heard bad things. And by the way, when I was talking to President Zelensky, it's right on the phone. You can read it. He didn't like her. He brought up her name and he didn't like her at all. How do you have an ambassador with a, the president, the new president? That's right, because she was so wedded in. Gretchen's and don't forget, with that comment. Ukraine hated me. They were after me in the election. They wanted Hillary Clinton to win. And when I won, all of a sudden they became so nice. They were doing, they had to make up. There were many articles where they had to, yep. you know, get to be friendly, you know, because we're like a gravy train for them, okay? We're like their gravy train. So they were totally in favor of Hillary Clinton. But this ambassador that, you know, everybody says is so wonderful, she wouldn't hang my picture in the embassy, okay? She's in charge of the embassy. She wouldn't hang it. It took like a year and a half or two years for her to get the picture up. She said bad things about me. She wouldn't defend Defend me, and I have the right to change an ambassador. Okay, that's a very big deal, you guys. Because when any foreign visitor visits the embassy, the first thing they see is the president of the United States, the vice president, secretary of state, all those pictures. The fact that she didn't do it for a year and a half is appalling. I can tell you that after the elections, I myself went to an FBI office myself, myself, and it was March of 2017, myself. Because I was to provide as a, what is it called? Like, um, uh, uh, you know, um, factual stuff in something that I've been working on. And I saw that Barack Hussein Obama's picture was still there. And I said, why is that still there? How come James Comey's, you know, picture, um, is above all of them? Oh yeah, you know this? Okay. Well then why do you have that president there? Oh, we just haven't gotten it. Are you sure? Because I know they send those out during the transition period for a fact. They didn't like that. I can tell you that people from within my own state have, uh, gone to recent meetings, um, to FBI satellite meetings here in the state of North Dakota recent ones, we're talking like maybe a month, two months, maximum three months, 90 days, past 90 days, where they went to briefings, security briefings, and they were praising James Comey. Are you paying attention? Praising James Comey. How do we eradicate the systemic plague of corruption when your satellite offices, because they don't have like full-blown offices, within these states that have... The highest amount of corruption is that I'm so glad that the attorney general will be announcing a program of all these missing women and children and murders from Native American reservations. This is key, key, key for the Midwest and trafficking. But again, I don't trust Barr. He was the fixer. And I believe that he is creating this justice alignment and could be... um, a redemption thing, but it also could be one of the biggest, you know, illusions. Regardless, I'm going to trust the president because I know that a lot of the good guys don't even know they're working together. They're just like, are they a good guy? I mean, they're saying good things, but are they working together? Are, are they this? A lot of them don't even know. Some people have come, you know, from parallel points or points you know, that will meet some point and converge in the future or from the past that are, are all converging here. And even to make it so perfect to have, what is it? A lot of information coming from a lot of places, um, obfuscated, 
so the source can never be determined. It's uh, multi- multiply sourced. This is how you fix things like this, where they deny the acknowledgement that they've lost. It's important that we understand that. And Rudy didn't say good things, but he wasn't crazy about it. You know, he, it wasn't like a major topic. But I have the right to change. This was an Obama person wouldn't didn't want to hang my picture in the embassy. It's standard is you put the president of the United States picture in an embassy. This was not an angel, this woman, okay? And there are a lot of things that she did that I didn't like. And we will talk about that at some time. Okay. Okay. But I just want to let you know, this was not a baby that we're dealing with. There was one woman uh, who was in all of these testimonies this week who was sticking up for you, Congresswoman Elise Stefanik. She was asking questions, Mm -hmm. doing her job. She said her constituents want to get to the bottom of what happened with the Bidens and that investigation. She questioned uh, Tim Morrison and uh, Kurt Volker. I'm going to skip over this. A big problem. Because they all lied about my call. My call was perfect. If you heard Adam Schiff's made-up version of my call, I mean, it was the worst thing I've ever heard. I said, how could that be possible? And you know the sad part? Because he made it in the halls of Congress. He has immunity. I can't sue him. The Republican Party can't sue him. And one other thing before we get off. The Republican Party. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know. We can keep this going all day, right? It's easy. But look, the Republican Party has never been more unified. Both the Senate and the House. Mitch, uh, Lindsey. I could name... 20 names up there. I could. They have never had. Look, we won 196 to nothing. That never happens. You know, I always say the Democrats are lousy politicians. They have lousy policy, but they stick together and they're vicious. Right. Well, they're more vicious, frankly. But the Republicans, they have a, a tendency. They break up. They don't. The but, Republicans, I've never seen anything Mr. like President, it. They're sticking together. Uh, we, we understand that there were six Republican senators, this perfect transition into this question, uh, who talked to you yesterday, along with uh, yeah. your, the White House Here lawyer. Here we go. You know, Jared Kushner was there. You're trying to figure out some sort of strategy going forward, because it does look yeah. as if Nancy Pelosi, you know, her back is up against the wall. She's going to have to go ahead and proceed with the impeachment vote. It's going to wind up in the Senate, and you say that you... To, to your earlier point, you want a full trial because then you will wind up with, according to the story, uh, due process, which you feel you did not get with Adam Schiff, which means you can call your own witnesses and you would love to see Hunter Biden in the chair to answer all those questions about Ukraine. Well, there's only one person I want more than uh, where's Hunter, and that is Adam Schiff. I want to put that guy with his... Uh with his way. What's your, what's your first question for Adam Schiff? I almost said something that might have been slightly controversial. Yes. I didn't. Yeah, but Tori already told you about what's really plaguing Adam Schiff. I'm learning. See that, Steve? I'm learning. <laughs> but after all these years, I finally learned. But look, I want to see Adam Schiff testify about the whistleblower who's a fake whistleblower because the whistleblower report was about my conversation with the president of ukraine it bore no relationship it said there were eight seven or eight quid pro quos there were none it bore no relationship to my call nobody brings that out the whistleblower is in my opinion a political operative just like his lawyer who's one of the worst people in you think you know who it is I, I know exactly who it is. Everybody does. Is he still there? Media. Is he still Everybody there? Does he go to meetings? 
Does he go right. to meetings? Every, and, and by the way, you know who the whistleblower is, too. Otherwise, you're not doing your job. You know who the Everybody does it. If the whistleblower were on the other side, they would have revealed the whistleblower two months ago. Mr. President. But the Democrats and their machine, the, uh, the media machine, the fake corrupt right. media, they protect. But you know who the whistleblower is. So do I, I know it. But, uh, but I want the whistleblower who put in a false report to testify. I want to know why did the IG put in the report? You have an IG, right? Why did the IG, instead of saying, let me take the report, let me now go, go to the White House, ask the president to declassify his conversation so that it has to match up. He didn't do that. So what you do is you have a whistleblower with skip. a... We, don't we defeated Here him. We go. But let me just tell you about the wall. Without the wall, and Tom Homan's a great guy, without the wall... It would be a disaster. Absolutely. And if she took down the wall, you need the wall. You know, they want to have drones. They want to have drones flying around up and down and, you know, this and that. It's all just a waste of money other than we have. I'm going to tell you something. Do you know who's pushing that drone thing? Okay. So my senator in this state, Hoven, who is one of the richest senators, who, by the way, within one term in the Senate, doubled his net worth to over $50 million has invested in drones. North Dakota is the first state that has allowed drones to operate. So now they put out drones to like typical, you know, apocalyptic, you know, police state stuff. I kid you not. They are piloting all the drone app, um, all the drone policing here. And he's pushing for a smart fence of drones. Yeah. Cause what are the drones going to do? Blow people out of the, you know, uh, away from the U S come on, man. Come on. You have to, like he said, the Republicans are more united than they, they ever have been. But the majority of them are united because they fear that they're going to jail. And even those that are falling in line are going to be punished. You do not get away with an attempt to usurp the government. Okay, this is complete usurpation. You do not get away with crimes against children, crimes against humanity, and the aim to slave every man, woman, or child. You don't get away with it because you decided to fall in line. You just get to not get it done publicly. That's the thing. This is where you get to say, well, you know, even though I am a Supreme Court justice, I'm going to be stepping down uh, and I'm not running again or I'm not going to be in the office anymore. But I'll be doing stuff in judiciary. Judiciary what? Like house arrest because you're like so many years old or outside of the public eye kind of thing. That's how it happens. OK, for those that fall in line and comply drones flying to see if anybody's trying to break through the wall because if you have a bulldozer or if you have heavy blowtorches and things you know you can break through Uh, we have the wall is electrified so that if anyone touches it we know exactly what's happening we can get there within minutes no we built we're building a a fantastic wall and without the wall now it just means she's going to lose because one of the issues that I won on last time was was border security. And you see where the numbers are. Now, until I got the wall built, I got Mexico because we're not allowed. Very simply, we have loopholes. And they're called loopholes for a reason because they're loopholes. I could end those loopholes in 15 minutes with crazy Nancy Pelosi and Schumer. I could end them in 15 minutes, but they don't want to meet about them because they like trouble because the more trouble we have they don't care about the country 
the more trouble they have, the the better it is for them. They think the worse it is for okay. me. So I got skipping the ahead of, to the next good portion for that huge purchase, and it looks like they want to do a deal. But Brian, it, but they have it. Wait, wait, wait. Just one thing. So they have it because I said, how much have the farmers lost because of China targeting right. them? Sir, $16 billion and $12 billion the previous year. I gave them $12 billion out of the tariffs, had tens of billions left over, and I gave them $16 billion out of the tariffs and had tens of billions left okay. over. goes into the Treasury. Brian, our farmers are doing great. Right. And now we just signed a deal with Japan, $40 billion they're buying from the farmers. We just signed a deal with South Korea, a tremendous deal. We're making tremendous deals. But you have to understand, these deals with China, they've been taking advantage of us for 25 years. It's hard for them to understand it's not going to happen anymore. And now they understand. Yeah, they are calling they on you to, to veto legislation. They are calling on you to veto legislation coming out of the Senate that supports the Hong Kong students. What are you going to do? Well, I'll tell you, look, we have to stand with Hong Kong, but I'm also standing with President Xi. He's a friend of mine. He's an incredible guy. Uh, we have to stand, but I'd like to see them work it out, okay? We have to see them work it out. But I stand with Hong Kong. I stand with freedom. I stand with all of the things that we want to do, but we also are in the process of making the largest trade deal in history. And if we could do that, that would be great. China wants it. We want it. And I will say this. If it weren't for me, thousands of people would have been killed in Hong Kong right now, and you wouldn't have any riots. You'd have a police state, but thousands of people. The only reason he's not going in is because I'm saying it's going to affect our trade deal. You don't want to Mr. do that. President, I speak to him. So you're running in 2020, uh, and many people are, we all just assumed your vice presidential um, nominee would be Mike Pence, but then we're reading headlines about Kelly and Conway's husband saying that Nikki Haley is fighting for that position. I'm a South Carolinian, originally from South Carolina, and Nikki Haley was our governor. And I oh, wait, guys, so like, um, so Tori was talking about this like um, last year, right? Did I just speak to my, about myself in the third party? Didn't I tell you to pay attention now they're bringing it out mainstream and they got him there. Listen to his answer, Nikki Haley, like we would have that snake. But listen to his answer. And I know she uh, really did a good job as an ambassador. So who's going to be your running mate in 2020? No, she's great. Well, look, first of all, Kellyanne is great, but she's married to a total whack job. I think the, I, she must have done some number on him, Ainsley. I don't know what Kellyanne did to that guy, but she because I don't even know him. I mean, I, I met him. Second, yeah. uh, he's a he's got to be some kind of a nut job. She must have done some bad things to him because that guy is crazy. But you know what? Uh, Mike Pence is a great vice president. He's our man, a hundred percent. Nikki will absolutely be involved. She's a friend of mine. She endorsed me with the most beautiful endorsement you've ever heard. She did a great job at the UN. She's now in the private sector. I assume she's doing very well. Uh, but Nikki will be back in some form because she's great. And she's she's my friend. But no, uh, Mike Pence, I know I've, I've seen this rumor that keeps, you know, popping up. And Nikki would be great. But Mike Pence has done a phenomenal job as vice president. He's he's our guy. He's my friend. Uh, and uh, look, we have a great team. Okay, it's, been, it's, right. it's been a very strong team. Mike. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that awesome? This is how you say a lot of. A lot of things, but a lot of nothing, too. He's our guy. He doesn't say, oh, yeah, we're running together. He's like, he's our guy. He's our team. You know, here's here's something that I'm putting out there today on November 22nd, 2019. If 
the run for 2020 happens with Pence shortly after the election, uh, he'll get sick. <laughs> Not really sick, fake sick, you know, kind of like, um, Theraband dude got cancer. So he doesn't go to prison kind of sick. Um, kind of like Biden has dementia. So we can't really throw him in jail. Kind of sick. Uh, you know, maybe he'll get like cancer or some other thing or suddenly has dementia and he'll step aside. Um, because he's key to big things, Pence. So all you need to pay attention to are the signs uh, at the rallies and the fact that he didn't say, I'm running with Pence. He said, he's our guy. We've got a great team. Haley's going to come back in some form, not VP, because I said Trump Flynn 2020. And it's uh, seeming more likely. Let's finish this interview off quickly. Pompeo going to the Senate. Are you going to push him to do that? So Mike has done an incredible job. You know, I have an incredible cabinet. We don't get enough credit. We have incredible. Mike graduated number one at Harvard Law, number one at West Point. He's an incredible guy doing a great job in a very complicated world, doing a great job as Secretary of State. Remember, they all said, Brian, I'd be in World War III my first day. And now they're saying, wow, he's much more moderate. Well, actually... I rebuilt the military to a level that nobody's going to play games with us, but if we don't have to use it, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. So Mike would win easily in Kansas, great state, and it's a Trump state. He'd win easily, and if I thought they had somebody out there that couldn't win, and Mike would really, he loves what he's doing, but if I thought they had somebody out there that, and he came to me and said, look, Mm -hmm. I'd rather stay where I am. But he loves Kansas. He loves the people of Kansas. If he thought there was a chance of losing that seat, I think he would do that. And he would win in a landslide because they love him in Kansas. Well, I am from Kansas, and you're right. It is a great state. Uh, Mr. President, a moment ago you were talking about rumors. I'm sure you saw there was a rumor that, uh, you know, you went to the the hospital last week. It wasn't on the schedule, and obviously something is really the matter with you. So can you tell us what's the matter with you? Okay, yeah. Pay a attention. lot of things are a matter with me. I mean, <laughs> number one, what did I do this for? But I love it, you know, one of those things. So uh, we, I had some free time. My doctor calls. He said, would you like to do something? Because I'm going to be slightly busy in 2020 in January and February, especially if Crazy Nancy does something that uh, nobody ever would even think of doing. So I'll be busy interviewing Biden, interviewing, watching the interviews of uh, Shifty Shift and why he made up all of this stuff and why he made up my statements. So the doctor called, sir, would you like to go out? Because I had three hours. Would you like to go out to Walter Reed and do your first part of the physical? I said, yeah. Go ahead. Let's go. So we go out. I go there. I meet with parents. One in particular, I meet with the wife and family of a young soldier who was being operated on and lost his arm and lost a leg. Horrible thing. And I spend time with them. Anyway, I do a very routine part of the physical. Get in the car. Come back. On the way back, I'm hearing that I'm in the hospital. And, and by the way, just so you know, like literally many, many, many cars go. It's not like, and they have a press van following. You know, when I go, yeah. I'd love to be able to go like the old days where I get in a car, close the doors, lock them up and drive, right? It doesn't happen anymore. It's a little different life. But we have a press van. You know how that works. And so we drive out to Walter Reed, greatest doctors, greatest everything, greatest place you've ever seen what they can do. So I start my physical, go see the soldiers, go see the families, uh, 
did a little tour of the building, then get back in. On the way back, I'm hearing rumors that I'm in the hospital. Then I'm hearing rumors that I had chest pains. Then I'm hearing rumors that I had a massive heart attack. Then I'm hearing rumors that I did, I'm not coming back. I'm staying at Walter Reed overnight and maybe for a long time. And I say, I come home and my wife says, darling, darling, are you okay? I say, okay, from what? <laughs> they say, they have it down. Yeah. CNN, mostly CNN, but that stupid MSNBC, which is just as bad. Can you imagine? I made them so much money on The Apprentice, and that's the way. But anyway, those two. And so they started a false narrative. All right. And it was this. So the doctor gets on. He said, no, no, it's just, it didn't matter. No matter what we told them, they were going with so it. So your and health is, Mr. Worse. President, your health is fine. Well, let me tell you this. I just got back from Austin, Texas, where I was with Tim Cook. He's yep. going to be building a $1 billion facility to make whatever he makes. You know, that's Apple. And he's going to build this incredible facility. We toured another facility where they make the Mac Pro, mm -hmm. uh, which is phenomenal, which was opening. The reason we, you know, it opened that day, they're making all of the Mac Pros all over the world. They're making them right in Austin, Texas. I spent, I left early. I got home very late and I did many things in between. And I was sort of joking to some of the people. I said, Hey, that's not bad considering these people had me all washed up and finished in a hospital and I just get back from a 14-hour day. Yep. The, no, it's a disgrace. Let me, let me just tell you what it really is. It's fake, disgusting news. I'll let you know. You know what? Nothing wrong if you're not feeling well. I have Right, but it wasn't on your schedule and so people thought, yeah. oh, there must be something. No, else. because the doctor said, sir, I, I, you know, I'm not blaming yeah. the doctor. Okay, prophylactics. Do you know what prophylactics is? Uh, that's a fancy name for condoms. That's a fancy name for protecting yourself. So that's pretty much the end of the interview. There's literally half a minute. Let's finish it so that way we can recap the most important information he gave you about January and February. Get a phase done. Would you like yeah. to go in and knock off half of your physical? I said, you know what? That's not a bad idea because I had three right. hours. Between that and watching a football game that I didn't want to watch or doing, I had three free hours. All right. And he said, would you like to do it? So here's the thing. It's so disgusting what they do because they knew it wasn't true. Right. They went with it. After we certified with medical people, we had three medical people call them up, say it's not true. They went with it anyway. You couldn't kill the story because they're bad people. It's fake, right. corrupt news. Well, Mr. President. No, they wanted to make sure that the world knew that they almost got him. That's basically it. But what did he tell you? He said, well, you know, I went in there and got all this prophylactic stuff done. Reinforcement, which was a lot, because I'll be unavailable between January and February, you know, interviewing Biden or, you know, if Pelosi does what is unthinkable, but she might actually do it, I'll be preoccupied. This is where we keep him safe. This is where it's going to get heated because IG report is coming right before Christmas. It's the holidays. You know, if arrests happen, everyone's busy. They're traveling with family. We got Hanukkah. We got all this stuff going on in December. Pretty convenient. And that's okay. Because when January rolls around and Congress is open again, they're going to have to make the decision. Do we impeach? And if Pelosi actually pulls that trigger... You know, that helps them 
allow the mainstream media to take it up a level in regards to, whoa, he's getting impeached. There's going to be an open trial. And we're in the meantime, all these arrests have happened over the Christmas period. All these people are being questioned and it's going to be crunch time between January and March. The president has to be completely secure. It's like bunker style secure. This is where, you know, it's better that you're somewhere, you know, inside and monitored as opposed to stepping outside at all. I mean, today being, you know, a remembrance of a man who tried to warn the people that the plan is to enslave every man, woman and child on this planet was taken out. And, you know, unfortunately, Bush 41 died. He, he died. And, but, you know, there's definitely a diary, definitely some unclassified documents that we can access that tell us exactly what went on. There are some things that dropped in the vault, the FBI vault most recently, that tell us about this, that tell us what they were trying to fix. Tell us how they were shifting the narrative. Tell us. How the mainstream media has always been one in the same working for the party. And the party is what makes up the Democrat Party and members of the Republican Party. And all of that will be unfolding in 2020. Last minute, yes, but necessary last minute. So there is no ability to stop what's coming. They can't. So many timelines converging into one. So many people past and present and future coming together without even knowing that they're working together. They just nod in acknowledgement. On that note, have yourself a wonderful weekend. And God bless from all of us here on Red State Talk Radio.